brings me great honor. I'll be inviting Pastor Tim up to speak on the second week of Fury. And uh, if you guys could all stand. Thanks, church. Let's just give God an enormous round of applause, hey? Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, grab a seat. So welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Pastor Timothy, the location pastor here. I also want to give a big welcome to Penny, Benny, the uh, pastor from Tonga, joining us today. Welcome. Yeah, give him a round of applause. I was thinking then as we rolled that momentum video and, uh, and you know, things go wrong in church sometimes, don't they? <laughs> and it's always frustrating and it's distracting, but that's the substance of life, that sometimes things go wrong. Here's a little confession to you. As I was there with holy hands worshipping God a second ago, I accidentally did a little burp. <laughs> And then as I was doing communion and I rested my head in my hands, I felt the sleep in my eyes. You know, this is the reality of our walk. We talk of holy things in unholy flesh. Isn't that unusual? I love, uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, the man who can't join us here today, but who did this uh, amazing poster behind me. Anyone has it a guess who did it? Some people know. This was done by one of our elders in the church, one of our amazing elders, very prophetic, very wise man, very learned, Russell. Can we just give him a round of applause? I love it. I love it. He can't be here with us, but we'll honor him in the spirit for the work he's done. The thing that I really love about this is that Russell actually did this he told me when he was 12 years old, is that right? 12 years old. And it reminds me of uh, my response to Samson as a boy. You know, in Sunday school, you hear certain things preached a lot, don't you? Noah, Samson, David, these great heroes are kind of held up on a pedestal before you. And it doesn't matter how much... You tried to tell me that Samson was a fallen man. All I could remember is his awesome strength. All I could remember is I want to be like that guy, you know. Isn't that funny? These bodies that God has given us and how, yes, they can be fallen, but they can also accomplish such greatness and such revelation of things of the Spirit. Invisible things. Anyway, that was, uh, I hadn't written any of that down. That was just uh, getting us distracted. I would like to start on week two of Fury. So let's roll the clip. These violent delights have violent ends and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which as they kiss consume. Last week we heard angelic prophecy, the chosen child Samson, born to free God's people from Philistine barbarism and brutality. Only our epic went tragically awry 
as our chosen hero, Romeo, spied amongst this enemy a nubile Juliet, a red delicious poised on a forbidden tree of death. And in, he went down with his parents, her to wed, and we held our breath and we marveled as, at his brute strength as he fought and bested a lion with his own bare hands. Remember that? Now buzzing from victory, sweeter than honey, with heart in throat and puffing breath, let's rush again into the scene amid seven days of marriage feast, counting us down to lover's deed. Judges 14.10 Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. In Australia, we do a similar tradition. It's called a Bucks Party. And when the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. This gesture was less entourage and more intervention. Neither tribe, Philistine nor Israelite, supported this star-crossed lovers union. So when they saw our impulsive, likely 18-year-young, handsome Samson sauntering in to claim one of their daughters, all parties sensed trouble on the wind. Now the astute will do well to remember here the prophecy that Samson seems determined to forget. He was to be a Nazarite from the womb. What's a Nazarite? The Mosaic law in number six tells us a Nazarite is any person whom seeking to dedicate themselves to God denies themselves for a time four things. Alcohol, unclean food, haircuts, getting more and more unconventional as we go, <laughs> and death. To give you a sense of this fast's most holy and reverent state, the law goes so far as to stipulate that even if your own mother died, a Nazarite is denied the right to attend the funeral event. Highlighting for us that fellowship with God must transcend earthly attachment. Can I make this real for a second here? I want to talk to this for a second. <laughs> if your own mother died while you were doing this fast, while you were setting yourself apart for God, you could not go to the funeral. Imagine if such a law was still in place in today's church. We would cry unjust. We would not rock up, you know. Sometimes we don't rock up because the room temperature is not right. Imagine your own mother having died and you don't get to go because in your heart you made a pledge to draw close to God. Transcending earthly attachment. And that's how holy this Nazarite fast was intended to be. Now, meanwhile, back at Samson's week-long raver, 
Hands still red with lion's blood. Lips sweet from unclean honey. Hair fabulous. Samson feels untouchable and the alcohol begins to flow. So that before long, our malpropos hero is scheming to steal more than kisses from the Philistines. Judges 14, 12. Let me tell you a riddle. Samson might have uh, had a few at this point. If you can't give me the answer within seven days of the feast, if you can give me the answer within seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 luxurious capes and sets of festal clothing. And if you can't answer, then you losers must give the same to me. Now, eager to exploit their young enemy, the goon squad fast agrees. Let's hear it. Everyone, let's hear it. Come on, let's say it. Let's hear it. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Clearly, Samson furnished more brawn than brains. To be honest with you, I'm not sure that this even qualifies as a riddle. It reminds me of uh, that uh, the spot in Lord of the Rings where he gives a riddle, what's in my pocket, you know, <laughs> impossible to know. Uh, but nevertheless, it was enough to confound the Philistines. By day four, his frenemies were so frenzied, they began blackmailing his betrothed. Coax your husband into explaining the riddle or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Yikes! Overreaction much? Am I right? Has anyone here been given a riddle they couldn't solve? Did it get you so mad that you were going to burn the people alive? <laughs> I mean, you might feel like it, but you're not going to say it. <laughs> Oh, see, that's what happens, isn't it? You'll just be going through life as normal, everything normal, you know. You're trying to worship and you accidentally do a burp. And then suddenly, Satan's head, his hideous parasitical head, rears up out of nowhere. Have you ever felt that feeling? You're like, what was that? Where did that come from? Yikes. And our enemies' true colors begin to show. This is a people needing headlocks, not wedlock. People that fraternize with the enemy. Now, what would you say this threat was given to Samson's wife to be? What would you say here if you were Samson's fiance? If this threat was given to you. And I will place my people into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. 
I will say they are my people. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, strengthen, and establish you. Do you know your suffering is an opportunity? It's an invitation. If Jesus is to suffer and we are to follow Jesus, with our suffering, it's an invitation to draw nearer to him. It's an invitation for breakthrough. But blind to the promise of God's adoption and fearful for her life, Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle. You haven't told me the answer. Seven days she cried and tried his pride until with foolish affection he gave in and unwittingly saved her life, right? And before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town returned and retorted smugly, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And ignorant to his fiancée's ransom, in an instant, Samson's spoilt heart, it melted with betrayal, and then it exploded with fury. And he spits, If you had not ploughed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. And as he ran in tantrum from what was supposed to be the best night of his life, tears stinging in his eyes, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon and he struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Let me clarify here. Ashkelon was one of five Philistine cities, meaning that Samson fulfilled the debt, met his companion's threat by viciously laying siege to their own friends and families, stripping them of everything, cloaks, purses, shoes, undies, Signed, sealed, and delivered in a bloody and tattered heap. And I think as I read this, that herein lies the final form of greed. I was dwelling on this. Consider this. Samson's wife explained the answer to the riddle to the Philistines, right? So she explained that this is the kind of man that single-handedly, with his own bare hands, kills lions. 
And yet such was their pride and audacity and greed that they still tried to exploit such a man. Is that not foolish? I think that's crazy. If I heard you'd killed a lion, you know, I might treat you a bit nicer. (laughs) See, the thing about greed is that to elevate yourself, you need to exploit someone else. That's the thing about greed. Even our own families. Part two of the story, rock bottom. Prodigal Samson returns home, starry eyes defeated, crushed to the spirit. But with marriage's unfinished business, tempers temper back to a blush. Gritty integrity turns racy grace, and Samson rushes to the home of his betrothed with the gift of a goat. Clearly, our atoner had an enormous <clears throat> hope. <laughs> Announcing in Judges 15, 1 to 2, I'm going to my wife's room. But for some reason, her father would not let him go in. Imagine being the father here. This is crazy too. This is crazy, this world that they lived in, the context of it. That your son-in-law can rush off, kill your own men, and then come and demand to see your daughter. Today I'm wearing um, my daughter's bracelet, and I think about fathers in those days, and how precious every little thing my daughter does is to me. And then I think about this. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't want to let him in either. (laughs) I'm going to my wife's room. But for some reason, her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Imagine the horror. To all at once discover your promised lover bedding another in the very next room. And something inside Samson snaps. This time, Samson doesn't get mad. He goes mad. Judges 15.4, Samson storms out, catches 300 foxes, ties them tail to tail in pairs with a torch lit between, then looses them into the Philistine grain fields, vineyards, and olive groves. Never before in human history has this strategy for battle been recorded, and never again will it be. Foxes' tails are tails. They're not rope. (laughs) How desperate his anger was. It's not strategy. It's blind rage. It's berserk. And that it worked, providence. But seeing their ash and supplies, the Philistines fight fire with fire, burning alive Samson's father-in-law and wife. And with her, what little was left of his innocence. Too disillusioned, broken, and notorious to return home, Samson goes into hiding burying himself alive in a cave called guilt, fear, and shame, like some injured beast, 
some crucified Messiah, fevered nights, tortured by the faces, dying at his hands, bees stinging, incessantly wrestling lions, long-haired boys weaving through the legs of his smiling bride, beckoning him into the flames. Meanwhile, Philistine's entire army musters upon Judah, whom afraid for their lives as Samson's late wife, commissioned 3,000 men to hunt down and force Samson out. Upon discovering his haunt, these familiars berate him. Don't you realize Philistine are rulers over us? There's something about that line that really annoys me. (laughs) I'm reminded of the accusers before Pilate, who blindly and foolishly say, with the Messiah, with God become flesh right there with them, who say, we have no king but Caesar. How dare they? This is supposed to be God's people, people. How dare they say that? Don't you realize Philistine are rulers over us? Lie. This should make you angry to hear this, church. No one gets to rule us but God. That is his rightful place. You know, this series is called Fury and with no accident. We can afford a little more fury in us, a little more passion in us, a little more fair enough that we're meek as lambs. But if someone is to speak about our God with irreverence, how dare they? No way. No way do we remain silent in that moment. No way do we abide the lies of this world that thinks they get it. They don't get it. Let's get some fury in our bones, church. We have no other ruler. God alone. God alone has earned that place. And if you didn't believe it before his son had to come and die for you, had to take what we've done, then you can believe it now. Any condemnation you ever had, Jesus took to the cross with him. And the Philistines say to Samson, we've come to tie you up and hand you over. And having lost heart to hurt his loves, Samson's last offense is to beg. Swear to me, you won't kill me yourselves. Part three, bittersweet revenge. Thus, our messianic saviour is betrayed by a kiss, arrested, bound, and handed over to the enemy by the very people he'd been sent to save. Judges 15.14, as Samson approaches the camp, the Philistines begin to frenzy, froth, and manifest. Unable to contain themselves, a thousand men come rushing toward him, shouting, Roar upon him like a lion. This is it. This is the end. 
Finito. For them. <laughs> oh, we all know what's coming next here. Uh-oh. The Hulk's going green. All his clothes are tearing off, but they're appropriately placed ones. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon Samson so that his binding ropes literally burst into flame. What an entrance! And seeing some bones close by, Samson scoops up a donkey's jawbone and strikes down every one of them like whack-a-mole. <laughs> you ever played that game? Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> Carnival carnage. Oh, now you better listen. And then something truly amazing happens. Samson invents one-liners. Turning to an invisible camera, jawbone perhaps puppeted on one hand, Samson jeers, With a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them! <laughs> I'm a ridiculous person. You know this. You know what? You can have fun when you read the Bible. I want you to apply your imaginations when you read the Bible. Just do it. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine what it would be like. You know, they can be dead words on a page if there's deadness in you. I like to think that um, God has fun sometimes. Samson clearly does. I imagine after this, I, I'm like, makes Chuck Norris look like a Girl Scout. Am I right? <laughs> oh. And Samson doesn't just stop there. He now turns his tensions to the heavens, face to face with the big man. Audacious as only those walking God's will can. You've given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst? <laughs> it's funny, right? Who's he talking to? The invisible God that none of those Israelites believe in, right? None of them trust in. None of them call their king. He said that out loud. He said both those things I just said out loud. <laughs> I think that's funny. Must I now die of thirst? And between the lines here I read, Where are you, God? Why are your feats my defeat? The love of my life is dead. What's left? If I do it your way, if, what's in it for me? And here's what, a spring miraculously births forth God's blessing. And when Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. It doesn't say how long Samson was buried away in that grave cave without light. 
but exhilarated in victory and basking in the warmth of the sun with the purest of water rainbowing and raining around him. The word revived to me implies that Samson rediscovered the truth and joy of life. Washed clean, baptized, born again, Samson finds strength to carry on, laugh, splash, dance even. This is resurrection, people. This place, Lehi, was an arid, lifeless desert where donkeys go to die, (laughs) clearly. But God intervenes. All the deadness, trauma, and pressure of your life, I'm not going to lie to you. They're going to make you crack. But that is precisely the opportunity that God is going to use to bring you back. Grace springs forth, bursts with life and sustenance, and the purest of water in the most impossible of circumstances. And I don't know about you, but if I was one of those unbelieving Israelites and I saw someone yell up to heaven, give me a drink of water, and I saw water burst from the ground, I might never deny that God again. I might get behind his chosen man. All right, are you ready to solve the riddle? Who's ready? You ready? All right, all right, all right. Let's hear it. (laughs) All right. What is sweeter than honey? Grace. What is stronger than a lion? God. Pride is no prize, forget the threat. Naked lovers dance. Fiery enemies refine. Injustice burns away the binds. No longer eye for eye, but heel to heel. you got to fight for your righteous Nazarite rights. Born again, bathed in light. I've been asking myself in this story who I'm supposed to be. But the truth is that it doesn't matter. Every single character is unfaithful. Samson, unfaithful to his calling. Samson's wife, unfaithful to Samson's. The Philistines, unfaithful to their own people. The Israelites, unfaithful to God. Every single one, unfaithful. Except the character we always forget. God, God is faithful. You know, this is what I want you to take from today. I believe that God is saying to you today that it doesn't even matter whatever you've done. It doesn't matter. He wants you. He wants you.
Against both Israelite and Philistine families and all better judgment, Samson full-heartedly wants his unfaithful enemy bride. Times a million, God wants you. (sighs) Marriage has the divine design of bringing individuals and families together, doesn't it? Samson's desire for peace through marriage isn't that different from Jesus. We, the unfaithful church, and yet he marries himself to us. He wants peace with us. I'll get you to stand to your feet, church. You know, since Jesus wants to marry himself to us, we might at least zone in on Samson's wife. The devil would seek to ransom us, to put us in fear. To ransom us with our doubt, our anger, our guilt, sin of any description. But we need to trust our jealous God that he's paid the price. Amen? He has paid the price. Therefore, reveal your heart. Come out of your cave. Victory awaits. Don't you love it? Do you love it? Victory awaits. Now make sure you're here for week three of the Fury Preach. As Samson's addictions spiral out of control and Philistine creeps ever closer to unraveling the mystery of Samson's strength. That's next week, people. But today, as we come now to worship, I would like to invite those of you who need an extra dose of hope. Hope springs through impossible circumstances. Circumstances that would break us. That's fine. Be broken. God will come through that. He'll come through it. And he'll heal it and he'll make it better and bigger. That's our amazing God. If that's you today, if you want extra dose of hope, come out the front as we praise God. Awesome.